my goodness, it's me, I'm Kato Kalen. What? Yes, you are listening to today's Boondoggle with Bailey Ann Cafaro on Domain Cleveland Radio. Yes, Kato Kalen listens to this all the time. I can't believe it. Where's my earphones? Thank you for tuning into this week's edition of today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated entertainment cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news, entertainment information and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for tuning into the show here at Domain Cleveland. You're listening to today's Boondoggle with your host, the one and only Bill Bailey on Domain Cleveland Radio. From all of us here at Domain Cleveland Entertainment, Domain Cleveland Radio, and today's Boondoggle Radio Show, we'd like to take a moment and just wish everyone out there and your families a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Let's bring back Christmas caroling, how it should be. Once again, from all of us here at Domain Cleveland Entertainment, Domain Cleveland Radio, and today's Boondoggle Radio Show, 
we want to wish you a very safe, happy holidays, and Merry Christmas. What's going on, everybody? It's Bill Bailey with today's Boondoggle on Domain Cleveland Radio. And uh, we are at, believe it or not, this is episode 50. I, I've made it through 50 episodes of, of, of this thing. And uh, whew, wow, man. You know, I mean, when you go back and listen to the archives, you know, I mean, it's a big difference from where we started and where we're at today. And I'm hoping going forward. It's going to keep evolving, as I've said in some of the interviews I've done in the past with uh, some of the guests. It's just like, man, this is like therapy for me. You know, this is helping me communicate better and work with people better. And and uh, it's just been a good healing thing. You know, I've shared, you know, my experience that I'm a veteran. This is a veteran owned and operated program. And uh even though I don't, you know, I've mostly been interviewing uh, musicians, sports people, uh, you know, any entertainers, uh, people, you know, professionals in the fields, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, I, I've always my, my heart is to bring this product to our veterans, our men and women serving overseas as some kind of distraction, some kind of like something to laugh about and some kind of experience, strength and hope for people out there. So with episode 50, I was like, you know what? Let's start having some veteran real talk. And uh, me and my buddy Dale have been talking for a little while about, uh, you know, our own experiences and what has helped us transitioning back into the civilian world and uh you know adjusting and what kind of therapies have worked and just information that we like to get out there for for um our veterans and also for you know people that haven't served hey what are some of our pet peeves what are some things that you know you could do different you know what we could all learn from each other to to make this a easier transition so um this is going to be one of my first veteran interviews conversations, and uh, I figure what better place than episode number 50 to start this going on. So how you doing, Dale? I'm good. Yeah, I'm here <laughs> on the anniversary, on yeah. the 50th anniversary. 50th show. anniversary, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got a couple, you know, episodes that I just finished that are on the back burner because I was like, yeah, you know, 50 should be important. And when we get to 100, I want to do something you know, not to say that these other guys aren't important because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings out there. But, you know, the vision I have for this thing and going forward, I want to include more military type stuff. I want to have, you know, conversations that, you know, educate, but also entertain and make people laugh. So um, and it's mostly, you know, hey, I'm a veteran. How can I help other veterans? And we both talked. Hey, what if what if we we've helped each other during uh a lot of times, you know, um, just, Hey, I need a phone call. I need to talk to somebody right now because of getting stuck in our head and, and the things that we've been able to do now to, to improve and, and, and heal. And, uh, we were like, yeah, well, I will, let's share some of this information with our fellow vets out there that are listening. But, uh, so we were talking earlier. I, I, uh, you know, I, I was coming up with a few questions just to break the ice to get things going. Um, and, uh, you know, if you could tell, tell our listeners, you know, your name and what was your, your rank and what'd you do when you were in the military? I'm Dale Papes and I was active duty Marine Corps from 2000 to 2004. 
I got out as a corporal, an E4. I was an infantryman. I was a, uh, a rifleman. And I ended up uh, in the mortar section for Iraq. I served in Iraq during the invasion. And I was also at the embassy in Kabul, Afghanistan. Wow. So... Yeah, so you got to experience both places, both the hot spots over there. Huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, and I should say, too, you and I got to know each other because we were both interested in helping veterans that something was brought up on social media. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a funny so. story. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. And then it kind of like, you know, we both live in the same, we're living in the same town, uh, attending some of the same things, and then realize, hey, you know, hitting some of the same Veterans Day uh meals and stuff like that and just uh you know there's that bond that that only veterans understand and get so you know it we and we realized we both had the heart for wanting to help our fellow veterans and brought us together and you know so now here we are we're gonna see what we can do what we share some of our stories to help others um but i wanted to you know get for people to get to know you a little bit better um like you know, growing up, you know, you grew up around here. You know, we're in Brook Park, Ohio, for people listening. Um, it's close to Cleveland, um, pretty much by the main Hopkins Airport here in Cleveland. Um, but uh, when did you know, you know, a, as a youth, when did you know growing up that you wanted to, to serve our country? Both of my grandfathers uh, had served in World War Two. And um, I, I know when I was a little kid, I just remember hearing some of the stories and things like that. And, you know, you have that, um, you know, I looked up to my grandfathers, both of them, you know, oh, man, you know, I, these are the bravest guys I know. Yeah. I want to be like that. You know, so I knew just as a, as a little kid, probably, that uh, I would have to do something, you know, to to give back, to serve, be like them. And um, when I turned 18, I I enlisted. I went on uh, the uh, delayed with delayed entry yeah, program. Delayed entry program. I yeah, did about that too. I did that about six months early, and yeah, I remember uh, getting ready to leave, and went down, and um, my mom was there, and all that, and oh yeah, you know everything's gonna be good, and then. Next thing you know, a couple of years go by and you're in combat. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Then you're a different person. First thing you're in maps or first thing you're in the recruiter's office and he's painting this picture for you, you know, and you're like, sign me up. Right. You know, and then uh, then you're going through maps and it's spreading butt cheeks, and, <laughs> you know, walking like a duck and all this stuff. Which I, there's no way I could do that today. That My, my <laughs> knees snap, crackle, and pop yeah, too yeah. much. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, like me too. <laughs> Oh, man. So, uh, you know, without breaking OPSEC, what was some of the, what would you say was like one of the worst places you served at during your time? The worst place, Iraq, um, that definitely. Um, I was there for the Battle of Anazria during the invasion. And I remember that the first night, you know, you, you have... The, 
at least now this is before all the news coverage and all that. You know, we were there for the invasion, so yeah. we didn't really know what to expect. I would think Iraq. Oh, oh Iraq's a, a desert. Yeah, man, it looked like Full Metal Jacket. It looked like you were, you know, in in Vietnam or something. You know, it was it was a, a city type situation. They don't live in caves, so I, you know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was <clears throat> it was crazy. Um, I just remember when we pulled in on the trucks. I just remember all this garbage, and it was very dirty and smoke, and you hear the rat-a-tat-tat from the uh, small arms fire and that. And I said, man, this is what hell looks like, you yeah. know? And, and there a couple of a couple of my buddies were like, man, this is like Full Metal Jacket right here, you know? It's not what we expected. Yeah, yeah. So, so that first night, I <clears throat> slept in a uh, mortar pit with this guy... This guy up in New York, buddy of mine, uh, Nick Mar Santana. We we slept Forrest Gump style there to keep our heads out of the mud because it was raining that night, and this mortar pit's probably I don't know, probably shin deep full of water. It was weird. It was something I totally did not expect. Um, but yeah, the the weather was something that kind of was the initial shock of the whole thing. It wasn't what I expected. Yeah, so it wasn't like the Radisson Inn or anything like that, you know, the, your uh, accommodations. <laughs> well, we did find some um, uh, some bags of uh, cement mix, and we, we laid on those. We thought that we were sleeping like kings, <laughs> and we weren't sleeping on the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, At least we're not on the dirt. You know? Yeah, right. This one's got a little bit of give or whatever. <laughs> and, yeah, it's funny, the, the, the you know, where the places we could set up. I know there's like pictures out there. That they always crack me up and bring back memories. It's like vets can sleep anywhere in any position, you know, cause we have no choice. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah, it's true. Got to We got to tune out and wherever we're at, we got to learn how to do that, man. So it's funny, you know, we get spoiled when we come home and then we can't sleep in a mattress. So we're tossing and turning and aches and pains. Right. <laughs> Pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so then what would you say was one of the best places that you, I liked Okinawa. I loved Okinawa. I, I would okay. go back as a civilian just to visit. I mean, the people were very nice. Um, the food was awesome. It was just, I don't know. I loved it. I remember it was about this time of year, you know, late December. And um, we ended up having a, like a barbecue on the beach on Christmas Day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember swimming in the ocean. It's in, in the water is like 85 degrees, perfect temperature. Nice. I mean, you can see to the bottom. Is, I got it, you know, coming from Cleveland. Yeah, you haven't had a Christmas that good in a while. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> never like that. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was really odd. But, yeah, we had, you know, ribs and uh, hamburgers and that. It was kind of, it was fun. Yeah. But, yeah, no, I liked Okinawa. Yeah, I know we talked, uh, you know, before because uh, I think you, you met my dad when he was still alive, didn't you, one time? I I think so, once. Uh, maybe, yeah. And, you know, I mean, it definitely wasn't the same Okinawa he was in. He no. was in invasion Okinawa in, in World War II, man. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's so it's always funny whenever I talk to vets and hear about their time over, especially Marines and stuff, you know, um, sharing that, how much things have changed, you know. Well, one thing about, <clears throat> uh, about Iraq, too, uh, you know, speaking of things that change in that, when we were awaiting the word that we were going to move into Iraq, we were sitting in Kuwait, 
And as kind of a nod to the, the Vietnam guys, you know, I remember they were playing. I don't know who was in charge of it. Somebody, maybe somebody in the in the company or the battalion. I don't know. But we we were playing uh, old songs from the '60s. You know, kind of like a nod to the Vietnam oh, guys. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. there, even that Marines Wait, was that Apocalypse Now. Or oh something? yeah, because yeah, yeah. see, Marines were weird. You know, we <laughs> we always like to you know, hey, we're always tipping our hat to the guys who came before and stuff like that. So the Vietnam guys, they were still kind of with us through the music. I mean, they were they were blasting Creedence Clearwater Revival over yeah. the over the PA system and the Rolling Stones and all that. The Beach Boys, you know. So it was kind of like the Vietnam guys there. Yeah, they were there with us through the music. Dude, you, know? That, you know, and that's uh, I will say this, man. I've always loved and respected the Marines. Um, just you know, I mean, knowing my dad is a Marine, you know, and and he was very proud of his service, but. If we ever went places where there was young Marines and they knew that my father was a World War II Marine, they showed him the utmost respect and came and, you know, shook his hand and stuff like that. And I always like, man, I always was that that always was cool to watch. And, you know, I try and do the carry it on at me being a Navy guy, you know, like I'll go to areas and I'll see, a you know, somebody with a Navy hat and I'll say, hey, shipmate, how you doing or whatever. But, you know, it, it's mostly because I picked that up watching the Marines, you know, and how mm. the Marines treated the old timers, man. And that was really cool. And see, that's that's something, too, is <clears throat> that camaraderie can't end just because your enlistment ends. Yeah. You have to continue that on. <clears throat> you know, we fault, we, I say we veterans, a lot of times we fault civilians. Well, they don't understand us. Well, whose fault is that? Really? I mean, at the end of the day, it's our fault. Yeah. They're not expected to understand that. They've never been to combat. They never had to go through 90% of the stuff that we've gone through. We need to educate them, too. You know, as much as we need to be there for each other, other veterans and that, we also have to, we, we can't hold everybody to the same high standards as you did the guy that you were, you know, uh, you know, like, in your case, a shipmate with, or, or a guy that you you, you uh, laid in a mortar pit with. You know, you have to educate the public, and hopefully that's what we're doing right now. Hopefully there's some civilians listening to this, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I, if not, they should be. And know? and I know we've talked about this before. I know what my, you know, um, you know, and this is, this is all, this is me. This is all on me, but I know when I first transitioned back, you know, sometimes you put out, we put out these expectations that we expect people to understand. We expect that, you know, somebody will pick up a phone and call us. Hey, how are you doing? Or somebody, you know, you, you seem like you're not having a good day and you don't want to talk about it or anything like that. And, and I, I, you know, because I only experienced that with fellow veterans, cause we know what to look out for. I would, I was developing resentments towards civilians for the longest times like you know fuck i'd rather be back over there be back you know serving than be here a lot of times i felt because it's just like these people don't fucking get it and like you said a lot of that is our fault you know um i guess it's just kind of a learning process we all got to kind of go through when we come back because we could stew in those resentments and then we it never we never can you know get on the same page and uh you know, through our healing, we're able to pass it on 
you know, and I guess that's part of the responsibility we're trying to take, you know, even right now talking about it. Oh, know? yeah. And that's the thing as far as healing goes. I mean, veterans, I mean, we, we have to, we cannot be afraid to go to the VA. Okay. I know the VA gets a bad rap and, you know, you and I both, we'll talk shit about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but realistically, it, it's come a long way. It from has, it was. And, and and it's there. There are resources. Sometimes that bad rap was earned, though. I'm like, you know. Oh, absolutely. That, you know, absolutely. I've had bad experiences with the VA. Yeah, I mean, still, I'll have some today. But you know, it's not how it was. You no. know, um, it gets better all the time. Yeah, and you, you know, you're gonna. It's like anything. You know, so maybe that person, you know, behind the desk was having a bad day too. You know, yes. If it becomes a repetitive thing, then it's like, okay, let's take a look at this and fix it. But, you know, we always got to try and take into consideration sometimes, like what they deal with on a daily basis, you know? And, and you know, as far as getting help and things like that, <clears throat> a, a Navy corpsman said this to me one time. He said it to myself and there, there were a couple other guys. He said, hey, uh, if you had the flu, you'd, you'd come to me, right? Well, yeah. Yeah. If you, if you if you broke your finger, you, you come to me, right? It's like you put a splint on it, right? Well, yeah. Okay. Well, if you were having some type of a mental breakdown or post-traumatic stress symptoms or something like that, or depression, you come to me, right? And people, I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I don't know if I, I would. Know. Well, why not? Why not? That's 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 what these docs are there for. You know, and, yeah. and, and we have to get over that, that, that stigma. I mean, it's depression and, and uh, you know, anxiety, other things related to post-traumatic stress. I mean, it's like any other injury. Yeah. You know, and once once you get over that stigma of it, you know, and, and just stop, stop making excuses for why you're not going to go get help and coming up with every excuse. And I did it. Yeah. Hell, I I, I did it. It took me about 10 years to go. And then uh, I had a bad experience with a counselor. So then I didn't go again for five years. But I I recently went. I went through the cognitive processing therapy at the VA. Best decision I ever made. It's 10, week, 10 weeks. Because you it. get sick and tired of being sick and tired all the time. And it's like, you know, I, there's got to be something better. You know, you got to give other things a shot. I, I, I don't know how many times I fired my therapists at the VA, Yeah, you know, but eventually you find the fit. Yeah. You do find your fit. There are some in there, you know, that you can't let the first one that you had a bad experience with defined all that's, that's something we, we kind of blanket paint everything uh, off the actions of one person, you know, and that's out in life too. You know, we experience that in, in the media, you know, um, but there are the good ones in there. You just got to keep trying and find, and don't be afraid. Don't think that because you've got to sign this one, if it's not working and you're not gelling and you're not feeling comfortable, it's your right to ask for somebody else, man. This one, this, this outfit don't fit. You're not going to buy a freaking suit. You can't fit in, you know, and feel like, well, I got to buy it. I took it off the rack. Right. You know, no, you're going to freaking change it for the one that the fit you find. Well, and, and a lot of the, a lot of the, these things that we have that, I mean, like you said earlier, the VA is a lot better than it used to be. It was terrible for the Vietnam guys. Oh, yeah. 
but it was terrible for them because the World War II guys were too proud normally to go. It was all, I, I remember my grandfather had said it. Oh, yeah, the Vietnam guys are always complaining about this, this, and this. Yeah, we just, you know, drank a beer and went to work. Yeah. Well, that's the problem. The Vietnam guys, the, the shit that they went through are, is why, that's why we have it a lot better than than it used to be, say, back in the 19, 1975 or something. Dude, you know I, I mean? lived that, what you're saying. I lived that <clears> because my dad was World War II Marine, you know, invasion of Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know the VA wasn't, you know, didn't know what it didn't know back then and didn't have what it didn't have. So this guy's just like, you know, I, I witnessed PTSD growing up. Yeah. You know, I witnessed the effects of, you know, why is dad so irritable right now? Why is he suddenly, you know, yelling and ang- angry, you know, and, and I didn't get a lot of that, you know, I mean, I grew up, you know, having some resentments, you know, towards my dad because of that behavior. And it wasn't until I signed and went, you know, and served and came back with a little bit of my own that I finally, I get it, dad. I get yeah. it, you know, and then, you know, I mean, that brought us together and thankfully I had, you know, a great relationship with him up until, you know, he, he passed <clears throat> on, but, uh, yeah, he was too proud. He was one of those guys that was too proud to go. He volunteered. My dad would volunteer, you know, when Brexville VA was still open and he, him and my mom, you know, he help out at the VFW, he'd volunteer at the Brexville VA and help out, but not once registered and got, got, you know, signed up for himself, you know, to receive any kind of medical or any kind of benefits. I got benefits first before my dad did. And finally, as he was getting older, I talked him into it and got him signed up and thank <clears throat> God I did because when, I mean, he lived to be 92 years old. And it became like hard on my mom. I mean, he was smart. He married younger, you know, (laughs) so my mom was able to take care of him, but then it was becoming hard on her. And thankfully, because of his service connection, got rating, the VA was able to send home health aides and, you know, some care, you know, to help. So my mom could get a break here and there. And those are some things that maybe people don't, don't even know exist. Yeah. No, no clue, man. We count on, you know, social security and Medicare or whatever. And, you know, that's it. Or I had pretty good, you know, insurance from my job that I, when I worked at Ford for, you know, 30 years or whatever. So I don't need nothing else. Well, you know, it's there. Take it, you know, because there's going to be a, whatever copay you have with your insurance, you know, you won't have, you know, every little bit helps, man. And it was like, thankfully, you know, before my dad passed, we were able to get him in and service connected. So those last couple of years, but then I was like, damn dad, if you would have done this, you know, yeah, you know, who knows? Well, and, and that's kind of, you know, the, seeing, seeing family members, um, you know, die throughout the years and that it makes you kind of think about your own mortality, you know, and, and your own life. How long do you have? Well, <clears throat> kind of hit me that, None of us are promised tomorrow. No, you're you're promised right now. Not you're not even promised thirty seconds from now. Yeah. Okay. My thing is, when I take my last breath, I don't want to be thinking about Iraq. I don't want to be thinking about going into Anasaria. I don't care about Iraq at that point. I want to be thinking, all right, I did everything I was supposed to do. I, I did the best I could. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I want to be, and I don't want to be thinking of like, oh my gosh, how, you know, are my kids going to be, 
taken care of, you know, because if I, you know, it, you know, get, getting involved with the VA, learning what kind of benefits we have out there, what kind of things that uh, we qualify for, for our time and service, you know, I'm making sure that should something happen to me, that there will be some things there for my kids to take care of them, you know, going forward. Well, and that's not, you know, that, so there, there's some peace knowing that too, you know? And, and there's, um, not just the VA. I mean, there's, uh, a place that, that it helped me out before operation first response. You go to operation first response.org. Give him a little plug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, they're good. Uh, you had mentioned uh, Wags for Warriors. Yeah, yeah. Why we're plugging, man. Uh, I mean, I got uh, I got um, involved with this uh, local organization called Wags for Warriors, and they get uh, they they uh, hook veterans up with with service dogs. Well, you get veterans paired up with dogs, and then they train you to be train the dog to be a service dog. But you're training your dog, so then there's that bonding, and the dog knows how to. You know, and man, I tell you what, one of my biggest issues when I came home was insomnia, just hard, not able to sleep because I always had to get up and check the windows, check on my kids, check on the, you know, <laughs> is, is, you know, the perimeter secured, you know, why I'm in my home, you know, but your home is your bunker. Yeah. My home That's is why. my home was my bunker and I want to make sure that my team is protected and we're good. So I was not getting a lot of sleep. And the only thing we had was this frigging cat that only makes a, a peep when it's hungry, you know, or the litter box is full, you know? So what my dog Brutus has been able to help me with is, Hey, he's my, he, he takes the watch. When I go to sleep, I can sleep soundly now knowing that should anything happen, I got a warning system in place and he's helped me, you know, start getting used to, you know, being in crowds and out among people again. But another good thing is during that time at Wags for Warriors, Wags for Warriors, uh, uh, Frank, uh, you know, one of the founders of Wags for Warriors told me about this, or, uh, this veteran organization called Higher Ground. And some of the vets had been uh, um, already through that system. It's hi Higher Ground uh, uh, SV org i believe it is but it's higher ground sun valley and it was out in, based out in idaho and then they take veterans out with ptsd and they teach you recreational therapy they'll take you you know out. my trip we we went horseback riding up into the mountains and we camped and we f were fly fishing and just out in nature man and that was just like that was another block because of this one organization connected me with this organization and through that organization i formed a friendship with one of the head uh of, uh, on the veteran side, uh, uh, Monty Heath and, uh, and, uh, became friends with him. He was a, a, a seal team six guy. And, um, and then he exposed me to some other veteran organizations out there. And it's just been like, you know, there's a, there's a community out there for us. There's a, there's, uh, you know, a little something for everybody, but if you don't, you don't know what you don't know and you open that one door and, you know, this guy will take you, take you through and say, okay, now go through that door, you know, and that began my healing journey to where I'm at today. And, and, and trust me, don't fall into the, and, and I, I say this because I, I did this myself. Oh, well, other guys probably had it worse than me. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, well, you know, those guys, case on, they had it worse than me, you know? Yeah. Come on now. You know, um, if you, if you, you experience a traumatic event, it is a traumatic event and it's, it, it'll, it'll ruin you. You know, it's, it's a bad thing. I mean, people turn to drinking, it screws a family life up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in that cognitive processing therapy, CPT. One of the things they talk about are they call stuck points where you say um, maybe to yourself. You, you said about staying on guard. Well, well, maybe staying on guard. You think to yourself, "Why well, that could give me an advantage if, if something becomes disastrous?" Nah, maybe not. Yeah. I mean, if something. I mean, if a what's bomb the chances goes, of I mean, ice is kicking at my front door here in Brook oh, Park, Ohio? Even still, you know? if, if if you know a lot of a lot of veterans and. If there are any listening right now, you know what I'm talking about. You try to sit at a restaurant facing the door. Yeah. You want to know where your exits are. You want to know who's coming My in. back in the corner, you face think, towards the door. You think, oh, well, it's going to give me an advantage. Somebody comes in. Let's say, hey, we're, we're thinking worst case scenario. Somebody comes in with a gun, guns blazing. Well, realistically, what the hell is that going to do for you? You're going to get shot. You're sitting there, you know, eating your, uh, you know, sunrise skillet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> What, what what's that going to do for you? But it's just a, a quirk that we have that we it's think a, that it's going to give us. It's a an subconscious advantage. thing. But I mean, at the same token, it's like the, it's a subconscious thing expecting the worst to happen. Right. You know, and you can't go through life thinking that. You know. Yeah, bad things will always happen. Bad things are always going to happen, but at the same time, if you're always stuck in that on guard position. You know, you're you're missing the moment. You're not enjoying the moment with family conversation. Your daughter might be telling you something that's really important to her, and you're stuck looking at the exit and like, yeah, honey, and just nodding. Mm-hmm. You're not even there, man. You know, you're somewhere else. And and that's, man, I don't know. I would, same thing, like you said, man. It's many years, and I still do that, you know, subconsciously. But now I'm trying to rewire my thinking and refocus and, you know, it takes time, but if you just don't even know, you don't know what you don't know, man, you know, um, I wanted to ask you, you know, cause I, and I want to keep talking more about this because we definitely got to, you know, break this stigma and make it more comfortable for our, our, uh, brothers and sisters out there yeah. that are dealing with this and also, you know, enlighten, you know, some civilians, Hey, why does he do that? Well, now I understand or whatever, but, uh, you know, I wanted to ask some of these other questions. Um, to get through to get more of a background with you too. Yeah. Um, so what was some of the oddest things that you had witnessed or experienced while serving? Well, <clears throat> I screwed Bill Clinton out of a Christmas gift. <laughs> okay. What had happened was you're not gonna, you're, <laughs> now this ain't, this program ain't gonna get shut down now. No, no, I, no. I just no. want everybody to know I've experienced a lot of healing. I'm not suicidal. <laughs> um. So I want to just put that out there. <laughs> um, what happened was uh, Hillary Clinton came to visit the embassy and, out there in Kabul. <laughs> and I happened to have been working at the front gate. Well, you know, things were, I mean, things were always tight at the embassy anyway. Things were even, the security was even tighter because at the time, Senator Hillary Clinton was coming to talk with some of the... Um, local business owners and things like that, talking about how 
women were actually, or at the time, girls were even allowed to go to school. You know, that was a big thing. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, it was kind of like a, she was checking on the uh, businesses that were up and coming in the, in the area and, and uh, some of these schools and what have you, the girls going to school and that women's power type stuff. And Hillary comes in with a big entourage. And we were under strict orders. Nobody, nobody for any reason comes in through that front gate unless they have paperwork signed by the ambassador in addition to the the paperwork that was needed to come in anyway, any other day. Okay. Well, there was a guy, we called him Sammy the Carpet Guy. This guy, uh, he would sell Afghan rugs. And he comes up, Sammy comes up to the gate. He says, uh, you know, he's he's here for Hillary Clinton. So where's your paperwork? <laughs> he didn't have his paperwork. <clears throat> he says, I'm Sammy. You know me. You see me every day. I said, I don't give a shit who you are. You don't have your paperwork. You can leave. And he kind of put up an argument with me. So I think I told him to get the fuck out of here. He yeah. left. Well, maybe an hour later. This lady comes trotting out of the embassy. She looked like Aunt B from the Andy <laughs> Griffith show. This this pudgy old lady. She comes trotting down Was the it steps. Hillary? No, <laughs> no. All right. She says, "Where, where is Sammy? Where is Sammy?" So well, he didn't have his paperwork. I sent him away. So, oh my God. Senator Clinton was expecting him, and she was going to buy a rug from him, and we had the news media here ready to take pictures and all that. <laughs> buying a rug. Yeah. Well, it was actually around like this time, late December in Afghanistan, and uh, I think that she was going to buy that rug. In my head, I'm thinking she was buying that Afghan rug for Bill. So yeah. I, I was thinking I screwed him out of a Christmas gift. Not to roll up any bodies anymore. It could have been that. I didn't even think of that. But I, those are pretty fancy rugs, though. To yeah, be. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rolling victims. I mean, witnesses. I mean, victims. <laughs> and, but um, that night, uh, it, apparently Aunt B, she did talk to the ambassador and some of these people. She put up a bitch to the State Department that I fucked Hillary Clinton over. Oh, man. So By not letting Sammy yeah. in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, the major, that night, I I was working a post indoors. The major comes up to me. He says, so um, I heard you didn't let Sammy in, and you pissed off Hillary Clinton. <laughs> said, Sir, I'm sorry. You know, I'm just doing my job. You know, and he says, no, 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 no need to apologize. You're right. You did exactly what we told you to do. They yep. didn't have the paperwork. That's fine. I stuck up for you. I couldn't believe it. A major... Major stuck up for me, you know. I thought that well, was kind of cool. He gets it a little bit more, I think, than Aunt B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? I think so. <laughs> but yeah, that was that was still to this day, this time of the year, I always think of Hillary Clinton, <laughs> you know. But to her credit, though, I will say, I mean, I'm, I don't want to get political on show. I don't know if I should or not. Yeah, but, it's, why, uh, it's your opinion. Yeah, you're to I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of, of Hillary myself. Uh, okay, not a not a fan. But I will say that a lot of the Marines that were were out front, outside the embassy, said that she was very nice. She was really cool. Um, she even argued, I guess, with her staff about wanting to take pictures with the Marines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, wow. I, I was, mean, hey, she's a woman, right? I she mean, she, Marines. Yeah. <laughs> she didn't strike me as the type that would uh, put up a big... Couldn't get a firefighter's uh, calendar out there, so we'll get some pictures <laughs> of the Marines Maybe. Out there. I don't know. <laughs> 
But yeah, I guess she was she was pretty decent with the guys, so that's cool. That's but, good to uh, hear. So yeah, but but I'm not a big fan of her myself. But. Okay, but I, I mean, she's probably not a fan of mine either. Yeah, since I pushed oh, her out of what, uh, especially once she listens to this. I know. know. <laughs> By the way, I am not suicidal. I have no suicidal <laughs> tendencies. <laughs> so, oh man. So we kind of were talking a little bit about about uh, it already, briefly touched on it. But what would you say is, uh, you know, a pet peeve that you have for uh, with with civilians since <clears throat> transitioning out of the military? I think that when they ask something like, "Oh, so did you kill anybody?" <laughs> Man, you don't ask that. You know, that's that's I I don't like some of the questions like that. You know, that's that's something that you don't ask veterans. You know, um, I think you're not going to go postal on us. That PTSD. I, are you? I had you know? a guy when I when I gotten out, I applied to um, a security company. And went in for the interview, he's looking over my resume. He says, oh, you served in Iraq and Afghanistan. I said, yes, sir. He says, well, you're not going to go like uh, Rambo on us and start <laughs> killing everybody, are you? I stood up and I. They had some bad words for him, and then I left. You know, I got my digs in right before wow, I walked out the door. Know, so that's HR, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, maybe they could use a little bit of training. Yeah, that's that's what I mean. I think I think education is good for everybody, for civilians, for 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 veterans. I mean, veterans. I mean, there are so many things that we had talked about before. So many programs and things that, to get help we don't even know about. There are things that that. That wags for warriors. I never even heard of it until I talked to you. Yeah, no clue. I th- I thought that ninety percent of this stuff was if you had a purple heart. You know what I mean? If you were awarded yeah, yeah, like you had a to purple be a heart, certain, you had to you know have have like you know lost a limb or you know purple heart or whatever. It's like ah, there's nothing for for all right. You know. And and that you know you know while we're on the pet peeve <laughs> thing, I would say I I think one of mine is, um, and I know this you know this shows about you right now but uh um but i think you could probably relate to this we came back with all our limbs Mm -hmm. so people assume that we're all right there's nothing wrong with us everything's fine there's a guy that that i i I do this uh work with sometimes uh, subcontracting (laughs) i i was talking with this guy he said well yeah what are you doing tomorrow or something i said well i I have i have a va appointment what are you going to the VA for? So I just, I got some stuff I got to handle. He starts looking me up and down. And he says, you don't look like you need to go to the VA to me. I'm like, well, no, no, no. I asked him flat out, do you ever serve? He says, no. Well, yeah. you know, it, it, there are a lot of internal and mental and every other type of injury that you can have more than just like a missing limb, somebody's arm or leg. And there are guys, obviously they have a lot of, you know, guys out there with physical, uh, that things, was, but. that was an argument and that hit a raw nerve with me too, with, uh, you know, some, uh, when I was, uh, going to school, which was another, uh, great thing that's out there for, for veterans with the voc- vocational rehabilitation programs. Um, is, you know, with a couple of the students, some of the females I was friends with. She said, well, you know, I mean, you, you, you don't quite what, you know, 
what's the matter? Why do you act that way? It's like you, you got all your limbs. You don't look like you got anything wrong with you, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, that assumption, man, I, you know, I didn't have a good response. And this was, this was, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. So it's like, obviously, you know, I've, I can better, <laughs> better now respond to some of these questions and try and, you know, educate instead of getting like set off and, you know, but, uh, you know, it's not just it's not just the mental thing, man. I mean, dude, it's here we are. We're in December. We've had rain, cold rain, cold snow, and I felt it coming in my friggin' neck, in my knees, in my and I'm you know, and I'm 46 years old, dude. And some days like getting out of bed is like, you know, like I'm 86 years old. Oh, yeah. You know, so. And other and the veterans out there listening are like, here, here, you know, yeah. they, they say, they same thing, man. They know, you know, just because they, you know, there's a thing that says not, not all wounds are visible and they're not, you know? Um, and yeah, that's just something, that's another pet peeve of mine. Don't assume because, you know, we got all our digits still that, you know, everything's just hunky dory. Yeah, and that's a, a simple, hey, how are you doing? Yeah. How's it going with you? You know, hey, just, you know, if you have a, a, a neighbor who's a vet, you know, stop by, say hello. You know, that a lot of times vets, we think that people don't understand us. Civilians don't understand us. So so I'm just going to go into my my bunker, my house. Yeah. I'm going to close up the windows, close the doors, you know. Get off my lawn, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm Grand Torino now. I'm feeling <clears throat> it already. But, but yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, it just, uh, you know, just a, a nice word. Hey, how are you? Um, you know, and I know. I mean, and, is this, and, and I know it, we can initiate it as well. Oh yeah. You know, I mean, but you know, hey, you know, it do, it does mean a lot when somebody just says, "Hey, man, how how you doing?" No, I mean, it, it's know? December in Cleveland. I mean. There's there's been some snow out here. Hey, how long does it take you to you know clean the snow off of somebody's windshield for them? You know what I mean? Yeah, do people yeah. do that? I do it. I cleaned off three windshields. I never said a damn word to anybody where I live at my my apartment complex. I I cleaned off some windshields and that for them. You know hey, why? Because not because I expect anything in return. Just sometimes doing something good. You know, you'll notice that maybe other people, maybe that'll make somebody else's day good. Maybe, maybe that'll make them want to do it'll something. It'll open up a door of, you know, <clears throat> a better understanding and communication so we can. You well, know, I mean, we, we, live, we live in this in this society where, you know, we think it, we pat ourselves on the back when we, oh, I paid for this guy's $8 cup of Starbucks, the guy behind me in the line. Yeah. You know what? That guy, if he's in line at Starbucks, he can afford that $8 cup of coffee. Yeah. 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 It costs you nothing to clean off a guy's windshield on his car. I have, it, a, you know what I mean? I Hold have, the door open for somebody. I haven't. It costs I, you, you know, nothing. I live in this uh, condo complex here and my next door uh, neighbor uh, is an elderly woman. We share the same sidewalk. You know, she has to walk past my place to get to you know, to hers. Hmm. And I know, you know, with the condo association fees that we pay, we're supposed to have our stuff shoveled and, you know, whatever taken care of. But a lot of times it doesn't happen the way we'd like it. So I get out there and I shovel mine. I shovel a walkway for her so she can get to where she's going. It's just, you know, the right thing to do. Yeah, she, you know, maybe she can't get out there and shovel, but maybe she can 
do something else nice for somebody else. You know, yeah. it, it, it trickles down. You know, I mean, yeah, if you, you're, you're out buying coffee for somebody, you're paying somebody's tab at some expensive coffee place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, that, you know, that's fine, this, but... Let me pay for the person behind me in the drive-thru at McDonald's. That they can afford know, anyway. Otherwise, yeah, it wouldn't have yeah. been in the drive-thru to begin with. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? Exactly. I mean, yeah, I don't want to, like, shit on people <laughs> no, that no. do something like, you know, they're, they're really happy and proud of themselves. But, <laughs> you know, there is, like, you know, other things that, you know, we can do. That, that you know? do not cost a thing nothing. Yeah. Hold the door open for somebody instead of just letting it slam on them. Yeah. You know, yeah, when, you, yeah. when you're out at a gas station, how many times that happened? Oh, man. Yeah. Or, or say thank you. Thank you when they hold the door open. Does that ever happen anymore? Dude, I felt <laughs> I was in Bizarro World uh, when I was uh, when I was out in Idaho. I ended up going back a year later because, uh, oh, yeah, speaking of connecting to things, you know, uh, while I was out there for with the higher ground, I ended up getting uh, connected with... Uh, this guy, uh, this gentleman named Phil Rainey, who runs the uh, uh, hyperbarics of Sun Valley uh, business, the hyperbaric oxygen place, and found out, hey, he treats veterans and puts veterans up in a loft there, you know, at no cost to the veterans for hyperbaric treatments. You just have to arrange your, you have to just pay for your food and arrange for your travel to get to them. You know, it, and, you know, obviously you set it all up in advance so you don't just show up on his doorstep. Hey, I'm here. Yeah. You know, but anyway, I ended up doing that because so, I fell in love with Idaho and, and being out there and how much it made me feel better. And I brought my daughters, drove them cross country on a trip. And I was like, hey, we got a lodging. I'm going to get the hyperbaric treatment and then we're going to go hit see the sites. You know, I just got to give up an hour every morning or whatever. And, and uh, but, uh. You know, while I was out there, getting back to what I was trying to say is just like, you know, I would, we, me and my daughters would be walking into some place and some kid in front of me would hold the door open for me. And I was like, what? You know, there was no like litter all over the place. You know, the only graffiti I seen was some sort of like positive, like you can do it thing on the side of a, this bridge by a mountain. You know, it was just a different world out there man everything was beautiful that you know everybody loved what they had and took care of it the kids were respectful i mean you know that's something we're lacking here where we're living at right now i know that and it makes you think differently also you know being overseas iraq um there were two little kids that would always come up we're eating breakfast in the morning some guys want MREs and stuff like that, which were nasty. Sometimes they would have like some guys these, like constipation. Yeah, <laughs> I think they uh, they would have like these powdered eggs and stuff like that. I mean, you would think you were eating a Denny's or something. It was great. <laughs> yeah. So they'd have this like fake sausage and uh, you know the powdered eggs in the morning. And I remember these two little kids. I don't. Know, I think the girl was maybe five and the boys maybe three. And they would just watch us. They would just sit there and watch us eat. And it was sad to watch it. You know what I mean? It's like we could eat MREs if we wanted to. Yeah. And yeah, you know what? I know a lot of us, we would just we would give our breakfast to them kids. You know what I mean? And it's like, man, here in this country, you know, I remember my grandfather used to say, 
you know, they're starving in other countries, and here you are wasting your food and stuff like that. Yeah. If that really happens. Yeah. It really happens, people who are listening. It really happens that there are starving kids and will eat anything. Grandpa's just not trying to guilt you. you <clears throat> oh, know, no. To eat your vegetables. Right. No, it's, it, it's, it's for real. He's experienced it. He's seen it. So, you know? so, yeah, that's, I think that, yeah, sometimes how uh, things that we've experienced overseas stay with you. And it's not always a bad thing. No, you know? no. And that kind of leads into this uh, next question I wanted to ask you is like, what is something that you will always carry with you from your time of service? A lot of things. I, I think one of the things really those kids, man, I, I hate that when I, I think that right now, even in our own country, you know, best country in the world, richest country in the world. All that. There, there are kids that didn't maybe didn't eat today. Yeah. You know, I mean, here we are. I mean, we, we, we can order a pizza or something, you know, somebody's parents. I can't read Terry will kill me. Right. <laughs> yeah. You, you gotta stay away from that pizza. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, that, that just goes to show that there are, there are people in this country that might, you know, need a sandwich or something. I mean, there's kid. Yeah. I mean, I hear about, you know, the kids that go to school and they can't afford their lunch and lunch gets withheld or something like that, or they're not eating. It's, I mean, that might even be a good idea too. You know, I mean, Hey, you want to pay for somebody's $8, you know, half double decaffeinated half calf, you know, Hey, why don't you take that eight bucks down, take it down to, to the elementary school. Hey, what kid owes some money on his lunch? Here, go ahead. There you go. Here's eight bucks, whatever. It might not pay it off. If it's (laughs) something, you know what I mean? Just something small like that. Yeah. You know, you don't need to leave your name. You don't need to get the recognition for it. I mean, if you're doing it for the right thing, you know. I mean, something like that. And, 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 and that right there is like goes with, you know, something that you learn, some honor and integrity in the military that you still carry with you, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's the thing. I, I know people have asked me in the past, well, what's it like to be in combat? Well, I would say... If I were to use like TV shows or movies, I would say, I would say it's like a mixture between probably Full Metal Jacket and Mash, where you have some like really weird things that happen or funny things, you know. It might be, but then all of a sudden, like shit, it's a fan, and then a whole lot of other like downtime, you know, complaining about this and that. Um, you know, sending your letters, receiving letters, wondering why you didn't get a letter. Things like that. Um, yeah, a lot of ball busting. Too, I remember. Too. Yeah, and and yeah, that you know, it's funny because it's like you read these questions beforehand. Oh. I don't know, it's weird. <laughs> but uh, you know, I know for me too. Um, just uh, my dark humor that you know we all acquire. Yeah. You know, but for me, it was just like, man, when things sucked the worst, and we had downtime, which you know. Sometimes downtime sucks more than actual, you know, shit going on. Oh, yeah. Because you're stuck in your own head. But I would try, always try to just, you know, do something stupid to lighten the mood, you know, and just, you know, something funny. Laughter is the best medicine, you know, just something to get our minds off of the suck and and laugh for a minute and feel good, you know. And I, I that was always something that I tried to do for others. I enjoyed it when it would co- come back, 
You know, there was some crazy. I, I mean, liberals' heads would spin if they heard some of the shit we used to say to each other to bust each other's balls. <laughs> and that means all of us of all races, too. You know, I mean, personally, I, you know, over there, there was only one color, whatever uniform we were wearing. But we would say crap to each other that, you know, you say out outside in, in public today, everybody would be like, oh, my God, you're freaking this and that, you know, right. put people out. But that was the camaraderie we had, man. And we knew that everything we loved each other and we had each other's backs and 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 just, you know, the the deeper and the darker you could go. You know, was just like, oh, you know, to get that reaction from the guy. So that was, you know, what one of the questions I would want to ask is like, what's one of the funniest stories that you feel you can share from your time in service? And of course, uh, you know, maybe protecting the uh, the names of uh, any individuals that. Uh, okay. Uh, okay. In Iraq, we're in Anasria, and the. Gunnery Sergeant, I, I, I don't know if I should say his name. I'll call him Shady Ray. Shady Ray, there you Shady go. Shady Ray. Uh, <laughs> he had asked, hey, who uh, who hasn't received any any letters or anything from back at home to make sure everything's okay? Some of us raise our hands, hey, 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 you know, I haven't heard anything, you know, make sure everything's okay. Maybe they're not getting our mail. You know, we're out in the middle of, you know, bumfuck Egypt. Yeah. You know, maybe they're not getting our mail. So he says, okay, we're going to go over to the Air Force, the Air Force base. So we load up in a Humvee. It's probably about maybe four or five of us. We head over there. Shady Ray was a drill instructor at one point prior to coming to our company. And he gets out. He says, watch this. He starts trying not to giggle. Like, you know, he's giggling as he says, oh, yeah, watch this. He gets out. He's barking at this airman, this young airman, probably probably 20 years old. And he's, oh, where's this and this and this? He had this guy, these, these airmen, load up like wood pallets that were supposed to be made like makeshift portajohns. okay? <laughs> he had this airman steal his portashitters for us. Okay, so he's loading up in a couple of his, while we're making phone calls, he's having the airmen load up all this stuff. So then he says that they had these boxes with, I think they were like uh, like a sandwich, maybe some Doritos or something. The Air Box Force, they eat like kings. Oh, yeah, they do. You know, well, Shady Ray ordered this guy, oh, yeah, this is direct order and all this. You got to you gotta load these chows up. We're taking these chows. We got to take them gunnery sergeant those are ours i'm telling you you hear hear what the hell i said put him on there so we took him he was we were all laughing our asses off on the way back in that humvee so we went back shady ray holds a holds a formation lets everybody know hey we did good out in Azria. we're gonna eat good so yeah we all got sandwiches and that courtesy of the air force that helped Nice, you know, nice. Helped helped us steal their stuff. They, they had like gray poupon packets. Oh god, they, there, they may yeah. as well have. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I still have. Uh, you know, you know the the grilled ch- chicken MRE still in my intestines somewhere. Oh, I've had so god. many of those. Nasty. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I can relate to that. Sure. <laughs> the gross. So we <laughs> talked a little bit about. Uh, Already, you know, some experiences at the VA. Yeah. 
you know you know although we're you know we're trying to you know pump the 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 the, the light for everybody you know to to give the va a shot we have to you know keep it real give people a heads up or whatever and maybe people that have already been to the va you know may have uh experienced uh some of this stuff but what would you say is one of the the worst experiences you had at the va i had poison <clears throat> ivy i had poison ivy on my hand <clears throat> i called up the va to make an appointment just to you know just to verify it's poison ivy not poison oak or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. so they said well we're too busy today come pick up your they told me they were too busy they said i have to go pick up my my uh, medical file, and they go take it to an urgent care. So I go to the VA to pick up my medical file because they're so busy. I And I know at the time you weren't supposed to do it, but I took a photo of one person. It was a cleaning lady sitting in, one, in a chair. That's it. That's all that was there. They weren't busy at all. I mean, they were the opposite of busy. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, now they have signs of, oh, you can't take photos at the VA. Or, yeah, you don't know. let anybody know that we're lying to you about your Exactly. Poisoning. So, yeah, I, I went and uh, I did that. I, I I just, I thought that was that was terrible. You know, a veteran comes in, just needs something simple. Yeah, they had a little bit of poison ivy and that yeah, was it. Yeah, here's a script for, for yeah. whatever at the pharmacy yeah, down the go, hall. Right. Fill it and take care of it. It's not like we're asking you to friggin'. You know, he puts the lotion on the skin. That's <laughs> what it's told. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, but yeah, that was a bad experience. That, that pissed me off. Yeah. I don't blame you, man. Um, so what would you say is one of the, your best experiences you've had at the VA? Going through this uh, CPT training. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, when, <clears throat> all right, for example, my, my daughter is involved in sports and I know sometimes just being around people I don't know, I would Im- immediately go to, well, I don't know them. They're civilians. I don't trust them. Yeah. So I'd sit off by myself. Mm. You know, I'd still go to the practices and the games and all that stuff. I wouldn't associate with the parents. Well, I went through, what, 10 weeks of this CPT training. Um, not only am I going to the practices and enjoying everything you know not just worried about oh i gotta be here to make sure nothing happens to my kid you know what i mean yeah yeah now i'm actually enjoying it watching her perform exactly and i'm talking to the parents some of the parents are pretty cool you don't know i mean that's what i'm saying this thing is such an eye-opener and maybe cpt isn't for you but there are other types of um therapies there's cbt which is uh behavioral uh therapy which I, I might like to do that. I, I have a friend, um, my my friend Cliff. I won't say his last name just in just in case uh, he has something against that. Yeah, but yeah. He, he's he's a great guy. I he was one of my guys in Afghanistan. He told me about CBT. He didn't like to go in crowds. Well, they eventually worked him up. He, they said, "Well, what, what's one goal you'd like to have?" And he says, "Mike, he's country music fan." He said, uh, "I'd like to go see the George Strait farewell tour. I'd like to, I'd like to see when they come to town." So he says, "Man, I'm never going to see George Strait." Yeah. He said, "This is going to happen, you know." He said, "But that's my goal." Well, he went through X amount of weeks. I don't know how long it is. I'm not familiar with it myself, but 
He worked himself up from going from something small to, say, walking into a small convenience store. To then going to Walmart. Then to going to Walmart on a Saturday at noon. <laughs> yeah. And then next thing you know, he goes to this George Strait concert. He enjoyed it. He said it was the best concert he had ever gone to in his life. It was something that he wanted to do because he's his favorite singer and he knows he would never be able to have another chance of going to a concert, a George Strait concert. And he did it. And, uh, man, that's awesome. Yeah. The, you know, the, both those things you just mentioned, man, are things that I totally have been through myself and, and can relate to. I mean, I haven't been through the CBT I've, uh, or CPT at the VA. I mean, a lot of my stuff was done kind of outside. Um, but man, you know, I, those feelings were coming back when, when my youngest was, uh, you know, <clears throat> playing rec basketball and stuff like that, or, or softball, just going to the games and just kind of like, you know, being off by myself because I just, you know, because f- fear of some making sure she's okay, you know, but also, uh, you know, I just don't want to talk to anybody, but, but before I wouldn't even have freaking left to get out of the house to yeah. go. So oh, yeah. she then wants you... to play in sports. So she's kind of part of the, my healing process. Well, oh yeah. I want to go support my daughter. And the more I did it, you know, but I mean, there was times where it's like, you know, during softball games and I got to know the coaches and I had a decent relationship with some of the people that coach my daughter, but the rest of the other parents, I, I was just like, they would be having conversations and I'd want to like, and, and I just clam up. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, you know, like oh, I yeah. just stand there like awkward, like freaking out, like a weirdo. Yeah, man. You get a, a, yeah. You're super alert and you're, you're anxious and you know, but you want to try and connect and be normal. And a lot of times it's just like, you're trying to relearn how. Yeah. You know? Well, and that's the thing. You have to remember that. Sometimes you have to learn to know how to do that. You know, it, it, there's a difference between, say, living and existing. Yeah. You know, if, if you're just hunkered down in your house and you got your blinds closed and you're not letting anybody in except for maybe one or two people or something like that, you're, you're existing. Yeah. You really are. You know, and, and there is, you know, not to say that it, like, for example, this uh, CPT, it doesn't cure your PTSD. No. I'm not cured at all. No. You know, it's like they say about like uh, Alcoholics Anonymous. You know, they, you're always going to be an alcoholic. You just know how to manage it. Yeah, you know how to live life on life's terms. Exactly, and that's that. and that's what I think. Post traumatic stress is that you can do something like. Go to a restaurant, sit down. You don't have to see the the door in front of you. you now you're still careful about things, and you know that dangers do exist, but <coughs> within reason. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and it's you like can Red break Dawn it down. Ain't gonna happen like you know right this Saturday. Yeah, and there, know, there's your daughter's basketball game or whatever. There's know? always two sides, and and even that too. You know, um, let's say it does. Well, you you walk in. You know where the exits are. You know that if shit did hit the fan, you're going to go for your kid anyway and get yeah. your kid the hell out of there. Yeah. Know your surroundings. Right. I mean, that's just, so, so yeah, I mean. But it, don't live stuck in waiting for the door to bust exactly. open. Exactly. You're not you know? stuck in that moment. You you learn to talk yourself out. You learn to recognize the other side of the coin. Yeah. You know, it's not that, you know, I, I had an incident where <laughs> through the, uh, through this group, we would have to do these little things. Um, and 
somebody had it is okay <clears throat> i was at a grocery store okay something little and this is how this is how people or myself with ptsd thinks of things so i'm up at the at the self-checkout i rang my stuff out i had my cart i had a bunch of shit and i had a, i wanted to, my intention was to throw it back in the cart take it out to my truck well this employee, this lady employee, took my cart when I was at the self-checkout. So I was thinking, you know, my brain went right to, what an inconsiderate bitch. <laughs> <laughs> what, what I, don't, I don't matter to her. You know, she's it's be- my cart. Yeah, she's belittling me. Oh, I'm insulted. I'm pissed. Yeah. Is that really what was going on? Now, th- this, this group will teach you to look at the other side of the coin. Okay, maybe she was trying to belittle you. Maybe maybe she was trying to insult you and piss you off. But realistically, maybe she just wasn't paying attention. Yeah. You know, they're like, holy shit, that's 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 a possibility that maybe the maybe this lady's uh manager was getting on her about leaving carts out. You know, maybe she thought she was doing me a favor by taking that car. So it's like not everybody's trying to screw you. Yeah, but you have to like me. I have to remind myself that I oh. do this stuff every day. Oh no, yeah, no, I'm I'm the same way, man. And like, uh, you just brought up another point and an experience that I I had, and and uh, you know, going to you know, like your buddy that went to George Strait and had to work his way up. Man, I've been you know, I've loved music. I was big involved in Cleveland music, and you know, for before I went overseas, you know, back when I was still out drinking and partying and whatever. Always been a fan of live music, man. All of a sudden, I come home, and I'm not, you know, I'm still a, a fan of music, but I'm not a fan of going and experiencing the crowds and the the shows. And I had to work my way back up to that. And there's still sometimes, like, what was it, like a year or so ago, I was up at uh, like House of Blues for a show, and then all of a sudden, you know, it wasn't even that crowded. I had places to walk and stand. Maybe it was just like a certain riff of of the band, one band playing that reminded me of something we were listening to when something went down, you know, or whatever. All of a sudden, my heart was beating like it was about to explode out of my chest. I'm friggin', you know, I'm sitting there, my friend's talking to me, and I'm smiling and nodding. But inside, I'm like running a marathon, dude. Like, I thought I was going to friggin' have a stroke and die. Oh, yeah, your body was there, but your mind's somewhere else. like, what the hell is going on? And I'm sitting there telling myself you're safe, you're safe, you're safe. Almost having to put myself in like a meditative, like, you know, a mantra. You are safe. Well, and that's one you thing. Are safe. One thing you that I, I've learned too is, uh, you know, to pick things out. Um, start looking at different, okay, a brown chair. Um, you know, a, 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 I don't know, a, a, a green rug, whatever. You know what I mean? Start looking at things and call them out in the room. A gray mat, a black desk. You know, start doing that to try to ground yourself in your surroundings, not to where you're in Iraq. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where you're you're smelling that shit in the air over there, and and yeah, it, yeah it's it, one thing that I still struggle with, you know, today, and I think it's another reason why it's like you know, kind of getting to know, you know, building a, a, a breaking the ice and getting to know, you know, build a relationship and communication with strangers is still tough. For me, even hell, even talking to some of my friends, I am not always looking at them when they're talking to me. My eyes are like 
you know, always like kind of scanning, mm-hmm. you know, which is kind of like, and they think this dude's rude, man. I'm freaking talking to you. Look at me, you know, or, you know, especially if it's like a female, I'm trying to, you know, we're trying to, I'm trying to build something, but I'm sitting there looking around because I can't help but think, you know, and I got to remind myself like, dude, be in the moment, be right here. It's just me and you right now. And just focus on that. I had to do that for my own kids, you know, to rebuild. So they, you know, they go, hey, daddy, I did this, you know, and, and I'm sitting there looking at all this other stuff and not focusing on them, you know. So it's like that's something else that I've had to, to learn to re- well, rewire my brain. And that's the do. thing in combat. I mean, you're you're doing multiple things at once. Yeah. Heads you know, on you're, a swivel always. Exactly. And, and, that's, and that's fine for combat. It's not fine for Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah, it's not fine you know? for, uh, you know, even if it's like, you know, you're having a disagreement with a, you know, a friend or a family member, you know, you can't go to combat mode. <laughs> and know? a lot of times we do. Yep. And that goes back <clears throat> into, uh, I guess, some of the types of relationships we have. Man, we're quick to throw people out. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's hard to get invited in, man. It, you know, our... Uh, our small circle of friends, man, that's 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 VIP. That's an invitation only. <laughs> now you can get thrown the hell out of that. You know, yeah. where where, you know, civilian friends or um you know, other people that maybe haven't served in that, it's more like, well, you know, just maybe we're not close for maybe maybe I can still talk to you on the phone or something like that. Maybe we're not close friends anymore. Where a lot of times with Guys with post-traumatic stress, it's okay. We're close friends. Oh, you did this one little thing? Fuck you. Get out. Get out of here. Get all the way out. I don't ever... Pretend I'm dead. You know, um, I know... (laughs) I know somebody who's close to me that says that she um, actually holds a mental funeral for people when she throws them out. She's like, in my head, you are dead. Here, your casket is being lowered in the ground. Here are the flowers on your grave. You're done. I'm done with you. Yeah, I can I can relate yeah. to that. <laughs> I've, I even, you know, and, and like we were talking uh, prior to, you know, um, recording, um, you know, like some of the stuff I experienced at 19 years old in the military that that I had forgotten about, I'd buried, I'd compartmentalized it or whatever, you know, and I was just too busy searching at my deployment in 2008 saying, this is must be why I'm doing this or whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, when I came home after active duty, you know, when I was like 20, 19, 21, 20, 21 or whatever, you know, after that stuff I experienced at 19, dude, my drinking started there. You know, I was numbing with, you know, self-medicating there as a kid. And I come back and my friends are just like, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, you know, it was cool at first. But then I'm Mr. Extreme and I'm taking everything to extreme and I'm drinking till I'm blacking out and I'm doing stupid stuff where they're just like, I can't hang with you anymore. It got to the point where it's just like those best friends and they're still my friends today. We've grown a lot and we still share and talk. You know, especially now since I've gotten sober, but during that time, I wasn't invited to their weddings and stuff, man. Right. They're just like, no, hell no. This is our day. And 
we're gonna have an open bar but not for you all right you know? you're, you're party boy you're, yeah I, and the <laughs> thing was it's like yeah i mean yeah i'm an alcoholic and uh you know I, I i you know and i know my addiction but at the same time the root for that was something that you know i was trying to numb and cover up this traumatic event that happened and uh you know that's been the 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 blessing with you know me going through that thing with the wellness institute and the hypnotherapy you know this was all outside of the va but it was something i was able to to do to go back to that traumatic event face that traumatic event that i buried and compartmentalized and now look at it and heal as a 46 year old man and not a 19 year old boy you know oh yeah and and going through therapy yeah it's Okay, I, I'll, I'll equate it to you've taken some time off from the gym, but you want to get right back in it. You want to start lifting weight. You're not going in there just, you know, yeah. benching, benching your weight, you know, your own weight, your own body weight. You're going to go in there, you're going to go in there slow. And even if you're going in there slow, it's still going to suck. It does. Initially, your your brain is like, what the fuck, man? I've been covering this up. Now I gotta, I gotta peel that that bandaid off and open that wound up again. Yep. But yes, that's what you do. You got to take that bandaid off, and yeah, it'll suck for a short time. But they they teach you the steps and and the skills to to deal with it, and you can't be afraid of it. And that's I mean, the look thing. at the you're shit not that... doing doing trying to do it yourself <clears throat> is going to be a, not a good thing. You're going in there with a team. You're going in there with professionals that can take you in. And, and here's you know? the thing, too. Or talking to other vets who've already been in that hole, and they're going to climb in that hole alongside you, you know, and help walk you through. And this is how I got out. And, you it's, know? and that's the thing. Like, you got to. All right. If you're listening and you're a veteran and, and you think, you, you know, oh, man, no, I'm. I am not going to go talk to somebody because I my my PTSD isn't as bad as someone else's. Dude, it's bad. Okay, it's bad. If you have it, it's bad. Get it taken care of like you would anything else. So if you, if you would have broke your finger, you would have got your finger fixed, right? Yeah, like yeah, we said yeah. before. So and, and yeah, don't think it's going to be a cakewalk, but hey, you know what? The shit that you went through to get to get to to be uh I guess experienced post traumatic stress yeah. on some level Guess what? That wasn't a cakewalk either. But guess what? You survived that. That was a shitty event. And you survived that. So you can survive therapy. Therapy is a piece of cake compared to that. And here's the thing, too. It's like, oh, mine's not as bad as the other person's. Well, give it time. It oh, will yeah. get bad. If you're not treating that, it gets infected. Oh, yeah. You know? And then it affects your relationships. It affects the people around. You know, I mean, that's another thing. You know, it's like. You know, we, you know, we're both single guys because you're both single dads because, you know, we weren't ready for, you know, I mean, nobody would want to, who'd want to get jumping on this, you know, I'm not saying, you know, we're not, you know, handsome, dashing looking. Uh, by the way, for, for, for those listening and have no idea what we look like, we're both complete studs. Yes. <laughs> But, you know, when the attitude and what we're putting out is, you know, is negative, no one's going to want to get involved with that. So it's like we're learning, we, you know, we're always going to, broken people are all over, you know. It's who you're willing to, to, 
accept their brokenness and, and walk that healing walk with. But to open that door, man, you got to start doing the healing now. Oh, yeah. And you, you might it, have a loyal wife that's putting up with you and taking care of Man, I envy those vets that, that whose wife has, you know, crawled in the foxhole with them since they've come home with PTSD and, and stuck by them and rode through it. But it's not always th- that happy ending story, man, you know? And uh, us, you know, it, you know, so we don't lose, you know, what we have. We got to heal. You know, and the and the most healing I've experienced is the mo- when I'm the most transparent, when I'm willing to be real and not put up this front like, you know, I don't want to look like a pussy or whatever. You know, I don't want them to think this and that, you know, when I'm ready to be real, say, hey, this thing right here affected me this way. And this is how I feel sometimes. And there's nights that I, you know, so I, I'll see something on TV or I'll think of something or I'll see, you know people in relationships and I'll cry myself to sleep or whatever, you know? Um, I know with, uh, and where one thing I was getting at too, is like the other thing is like, you know, all your friends that didn't go overseas that didn't serve. And even some of them that have served that who's maintained that, you know, that had that wife that stuck with them through everything. Couples seem to always plan things together with other couples. You know, they rarely invite the one single guy out mm. to them. And man, you know, that, that's, it's a tough thing when we're sitting here freaking alone, trying in our own head and trying to figure out, you know, like we're broken. We can't be invited places because we're, you know, single guys. We're doing what we need to do to try and heal. So we're not going to be single the rest of our lives, but you know, I don't know. I just had to go off. on. Well, and maybe, maybe you will, maybe that's your, your prerogative. Maybe you like, you know, just not having to. Have a wife or something. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I went through wags for words. I got a dog. I'm good. <clears throat> <You know>? Right. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's fine. But it, yeah, it's like you don't want that to be your only option. There are a lot of things going on in life. You, there are a lot of things in this world, and you shouldn't be stuck in something just because you have no other choice. You know, you or at least you think you don't, but you do have a choice whether or not you go go and get help. Yeah. You know. I mean that that's the thing. Yeah, maybe maybe it'll work, maybe it won't, but you can't say, Oh, well, you know, I tried it one time and it sucked and now I'm gonna come up with every excuse in the and, world. And unfortunately, you know, the the world we're living in today, you know, a cry for help on social media isn't isn't the answer because people are just gonna keep scrolling, you know, and you're gonna you know there are a lot of people who cry wolf. Yeah, there's a lot of cry wolf, look at me, blah, blah, blah. But if when you're really serious about healing and getting better and not living in that crap anymore, yeah, somebody might you think take the step, make the phone call. Yeah, somebody on social media might think you're the one crying wolf now. You know what I mean? We see it all the time yeah. that there are, there are people over, over the last however many years that social media has existed that they cry wolf. And then when somebody's legitimate about it, and they're not crying wolf. Well, maybe people think they will. You know what I mean? We project yeah, our yeah. bullshit. On it's got, it, that's just like, you know, I mean, because I've got we I think we both uh, we talked about people that we knew that that actually ended up taking their lives and they had posted something. And oh, yeah. You know, but we figured they were crying wolf. We didn't. Yeah. We we've heard this before. You know, mm-hmm. we don't know if you're, t- you know, it's it's and, and a lot of times, you know, I know 
we both talked about this and we've reached out and made phone calls and made contact to people because we yeah. like with the world we come from with our, our time in service and PTSD, we know that, you know, even if it is another <clears throat> cry for wolf, you know, cry, you know, whatever, you know, we try and make the phone call. Not everybody does. So if these people aren't getting the phone call, you have to make the phone call. No, yeah. You know, make that phone call because, you know, that you know, taking your life is is a uh, is a uh, what is it? A permanent solution to a temporary problem or something? Oh yeah. You know? I, and, it, and it really is. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I I'm of the mindset where I have a kid. To me, the, the second she was born, it's like I I no longer have the ability the 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 quote-unquote right to end my own life you know what i mean yeah, that's not even yeah. an option you know what i mean so it's like what else can you do except when life knocks you down you get you get right back up on your feet even if you struggle even if you're on a knee and you get you get the fuck up you know because <clears throat> you got to for your kid because what's going to happen one day when your kid experiences something terrible in their life and it and they, and they, they will face adversity Exactly. Yeah. Oh well, I, I know Dad. He he just uh, you know, he just he just folded up and uh, you know, you know, took his ball and went home. And on that note, you know, I uh, you know, and I you know, and I've got two daughters. You know, we've talked about this, and I, I'm and I'm like the same thing. I feel like they've helped save my life. They've made me persevere. But I'm not saying that the thoughts haven't ever happened. Hmm. The thoughts have come. You know, I mean, so not like trying to. <laughs> You know, I understand the struggle of people out there. Sometimes the, the thoughts get overwhelming, but find that thing. I found my, you know, I'm like, I cannot do this to my children. I cannot leave them behind. I'm not taking that that way out. So for them, I'm going to continue. And then I'm also going to reach out and try and heal and find these other options. There's something there for you if you don't have kids, you know. Um, you know, is your parents still alive? Is, is your siblings still alive? Is there somebody that you had a bond with that you grew up that, you know, is going to hurt that is truly going to, no, it might even be the guy. It might even be the guy at the gas station. You stop in and get a coffee every day. Hey, that person doesn't see you anymore. Like hey, what the hell happened to, you know, what yeah. happened to Billy Bob or whoever, Find you know whatever what I mean? that thing is, man. And just hold on and look <clears> out. And, uh, you know, speaking of other organizations, uh, Save 22 is an uh, organization. I'm friends with uh, Albert on, on uh, Facebook. To, uh, he's a fellow vet that put that together, which is, you know, an organization to help, you know, vets that are, you know, feeling suicidal that are dealing with PTSD. So there's another one out there. There's help out there. You know, ask another vet. Go to a freaking – hey, you know, and, and here's another thing, too. I mean, it's, uh, you know, talk about – vfws and posts and, and and american legions man i was most standoffish of joining any post because especially when i came home after my my last deployment and i got sober i did the opposite i you know i don't drink and there's just a bunch of old dudes up there hanging out drinking so why would <laughs> i join and why would i go up there you know i don't go up all the time but i joined i had some some old time vets that lived by me there say hey man come join the post get up there we have some days we have uh cookouts we have luau's we have whatever you like to eat yeah i like to eat so get up there for the camaraderie and that 
is the place where you find another door that opens up. You start talking to the vets there at the VFW post. Hey man, you just look into this organization. There's knowledge out there. If you seek it, there's help out there. If you seek it, you know, do not think that you have to do this alone because you know what? Nine times out of 10, another vet that you go talk to about how you're feeling that you were afraid to admit that you were feeling this has been feeling the same way or has felt the same way as you. And, and it's true. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, hey, we all go through shit. You know what I mean? And sometimes they yeah, have reaching out um, and just asking another vet. Sometimes it's good for, to, for other veterans to get together and, you know, you don't I, have to sit there and drink beers. I mean, that VFW. vet could be putting on a face for you who's going through some stuff. And then you go to them for help. And as I've learned in, in, in a 12-step program, helping others helps you. So you asking that guy for help gives him a purpose again, you know, and you don't know what's going on in his head. So don't be afraid to ask for help because we're helping that person. You know, when when we're able to help each other, don't don't lose those opportunities, man. Um, you know, one of the other questions I wanted to ask you and. Uh, you know, I think we've already kind of t- touched a lot on it, but what else can we do? to break the stigma of mental health and PTSD. I think talk about uh, talking about it, talking to other veterans about it, talking even to civilians about it. You know, we're not <clears throat> we're not going to get past the quote unquote crazy vet stigma unless we let them know that we're not crazy vets. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you know, well, uh, speak for yourself. I, I think that but, some of these, yeah. I think, though, you know, realistically, though, I, I, I've heard the term, like, uh, a, a bro vet or whatever they call them, like, where it's like the stereotypical lunatic veteran or something, I guess. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You see a lot of those things on, like, YouTube and stuff like that. And, man, the you just make us look stupid. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, m- most vets aren't doing that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? But... I don't know. I um, I think that yeah, just just getting out and educating people, talk to them, you know, just picking up the phone and calling somebody, getting involved in if you if you're into you know going to a church or or a homeless shelter to to you know volunteer over there, or something, It'd be a good example, you know. I mean, there's enough examples out there of veterans doing stupid things. Yeah. You know, I mean, what the hell? I mean, it, it, how many people know that, you know, vets, I mean, uh, they they account for a lot of ownership in Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, one thing I, I probably should have said at the beginning of this, and I definitely want to say it now, is, uh, you know, me and Dale aren't professionals. We're not, you know, like uh, therapists or mental health professionals we're just sharing our experience man we're just like you guys so you know we're not trying to give medical advice so no no know, yeah there's a lot of we're just trying to give share our experience strength and hope stuff and to show there's a lot through. of other uh you know routes and avenues for you you know <clears> that you <throat> might not even know about hell i didn't know about 99 percent of this stuff and uh, you know one thing i've been learning a lot myself lately too is like you know even you know although we're vets and we're going to talk about vets and we're our passions with vets uh 
veterans don't own the market on PTSD. Either. Nope. You know, there's people you know, that have never served that have experienced traumatic things that are dealing with PTSD. So hopefully this helps you as well. One thing that I, uh, I've talked with, uh, several people that I've had on here is, you know, that the Joker movie that just came out that everybody was flipping out about, you know, Joaquin Phoenix. I, I saw it and, uh, you know, I kind of enjoyed it. It was, uh, well, cause I'm a, you know, comic nerd and stuff anyway, but what it brought to the, to the discussion is mental health, you know, the, the things that we don't like to talk about and the lack of help out there sometimes for people or the lack of, the lack of empathy and understanding of, you know, people around, you know, Hey, what's going on with you? You're the, you know, we watch somebody go into a deeper, darker hole and sometimes we're the contributing asshole of pushing that person in that deeper, darker hole. And sometimes, like you said, we got to look at the other side, you know, like mm-hmm. the woman that needed to get the cart or whatever, right? you know, we have to take the, you know. And who wants to go through life thinking that everybody's trying to screw them? Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything you do, I mean, oh, somebody cut you off the track. Oh, that guy's trying to screw me. Yeah. That person doesn't even know you. You yeah, know what I mean? Not that self-important, too. Exactly. Know, and right? I think, yeah, that's, there are, there are a lot of things like that. And that's why I think that, you know, going going to actually see a professional at the VA or or otherwise, I think that's the way to go. Get to a place too where it's like, man, you can't. We can't fix a problem if it's not discussed, if it's right. not brought up, and we got to get to a place where we're able to talk about these things. You know, the whole, hey, man, you know, I friggin' love UFC. I love watching, you know, these dudes fight. I love the macho stuff, but at the same time, there's, you know. Uh, Life isn't about, you know, the alphas and the whatever, you know, we got to sometimes take the time that there's somebody, you know, we got to just be real, man. We got to be willing to, to, to take the armor off occasionally and open up. And when we're healing, we bring other, we can, whatever we go through, you know, somebody is coming along behind. It's about to go through that and we could be a help or service to that person. Yeah, Um, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, so I guess that's part of what we can do to break this break this stigma, man. It's just make, talk about it. Be willing to talk about it. You know, don't judge it. You know, I I, I, uh, I know that's been the hardest thing, too, with vets because, you know, you're sometimes the higher-ups don't want to hear about it because they got a mission to complete, and we need you out there to complete the mission. But we need to take time to pay attention to our people, look at, you know, <clears throat> Because that person that's that's struggling might end up being a liability out there on the yeah. field too if we don't try and get them their help and try and keep pushing, you know, through. So and that's, uh, you know, anywhere. Let's just I guess just talking about it and not pretending it doesn't exist is I think one of the key things. Um, well, I mean, is there any was there any other veteran related type stuff you wanted to? Uh, yeah, I would just, yeah, number one is just get educated about, you know, benefits and things, avenues there, outlets there for you to help you. Yeah. You know, because there are things out there that, I mean, I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even name probably half of 
the programs and things that just the the, the VA offers. Yeah, I, I find out about things all the time. Like, yeah. oh, what the yeah. hell? They do this? I've got, I knew they had a VA home loan and 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 the uh, you know the the GI bill. That's all I knew when I got out. That's that's it. I'm finding out about you know you know even net you know memberships for national parks and stuff like that or to camp or whatever you <laughs> yeah. get a benefit this and that. All every little bit helps, man. There's so much out there, but like we were saying, some of the guys that are too proud. I got uh, you know some brothers that I served with that I love that I was tight with that are struggling with some serious health issues right now. And they never got around to getting with the VA and getting service connected. If you pass away to a, a service-connected disability, if, it, if they can trace it back to a service-connected disability, your spouse or your next of kin or whatever, I believe, don't quote me, but I know, I, I know that the spouse can receive your benefits. So they're, you're leaving your family in a good and, and there's no worries about, oh, man, all these other expenses for all, you know, and then, you know, whatever health things you're being treated for, you know, you're going to have all these bills coming at you. But you could have been having, you know, getting help through the VA, man. So don't be too proud because you never know. Get what you get in there. Get what you can find out, you know. And, uh, you know, a buddy of mine told me, too, because there was a lot of uh, and he worked for. uh he, he was one of the guys that helped me, you know, along the way with getting a, sir, he was a veteran service officer. And he told me, you know, because sometimes it was just like, ah, you know, there's somebody out there that deserves it more, that needs it more than me. So I'm not going to, you know, sign up for this because yeah, I don't want to take taken it away. Yeah, yeah. I'm taken away. But like he said, man, he, like he explained it to me. He's like, look, every year Congress gets a budget. You know, and they see how much money we're going to allocate to the VA and veterans in need and service connection, whatever, you know. Well, if nobody's claiming it, it's not they're, they're going to see, OK, well, why are we giving you so much? Right. They Next get less we're money. Give you less because right. it's not being used. So you're <clears throat> helping your a fellow veteran by actually, you know. By going, going. And, and getting the benefits <clears throat> actually helps you getting the benefits helps another veteran who who also needs it. Yeah. And maybe yeah. needs it, maybe needs it more. And you know? I know there's going to be some guys, that are, some vets out there still are going to be like, you listen to you, you whatever. Hey, I don't, you know. Hey, if, it's, if the VA rates you at 10%, yeah. they rate you, you at know? 10%. But guess what? That's going to help. The guy who's rated at a hundred percent, who maybe needs is confined to a wheelchair for the rest of his life. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because you, maybe you, I don't know, ten percent. You, you have ringing in your ears or something, um, tinnitus or something like that. They give you ten percent. Let's say. Yeah. Okay. Well, hey, that's fine. You and you're still in the system and go get, can go get seen. And that's it. You know. That's I mean, what I as mean. you get older, I realize too, like a lot of, oh yeah, you know, I had good insurance, but at the same time, man, free is better than a $10 copay, you know? Yeah. And when you're on a fixed income down the line, you know, I don't know, man. Uh, like I said, I mean, it's just don't, don't get out there, get the help because, you know, like you said, helping it's going to help somebody else too. Um, and I guess, that, you know, maybe that's kind of it with the some of that, uh, you know, veteran-related stuff. But since you are the guest, 
you know, on here today. And I know I've done a lot of the talking too. Um, so it's kind of almost just like two vets talking, but oh, I do, yeah, we're, I, just, we're just bullshit. Yeah. But I, <laughs> but I got a format, you know, when I do this show and I kind of like to stick to some of it and ask you some of the questions that I ask my guests normally on here. Okay. So that way they get to know, you know, Dale a little bit better. Yeah. Um, top three musical artists. Hmm. Who do you like to listen to the most? See, I get into different moods. I, I, I listen to a lot of stuff on XM. So, I mean, lately, I don't know. I've been listening to like some 80s stuff and 90s. It's funny because, uh, you know, 1990 is going to be 30 years ago in a, in a couple days. Yeah. Really. <laughs> you know, and it's funny listening to some of this. I'm like, oh, my God, this is 25 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Where the yeah. hell did that go? Yeah. It's like, what? This is classic rock. Now? Exactly. You know? But, I mean, was there any bands that you were, like, really into that you'd say you maybe, you know, eh, would always buy their CDs or whatever? Or? Yeah, I don't know. I, I I know there are a lot of bands and stuff that, and, and musical artists that I respect. And maybe I don't always listen to all of their stuff, but some of it. Um, I, could, I listen to a lot of things. Anything from, say, Roy Orbison all the way up to, like, Eminem. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of, you know... Um, Smokey Robinson and you know that type of stuff. You know, yeah, like, the shuffle on our uh, playlist oh, yeah, would blow people. Away. It's all over the place. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I one of the groups that I I've listened to pretty much um, since I was probably at least in my teens. You know, I listened to the Beatles. Um, as you know, anything from that to Creedence Clearwater Revival. I mentioned them before. Yeah. We listened to them in a, in a Kuwait. And, uh, you know, Bob Dylan, that kind of stuff. You know, I I like Nirvana. Yeah, the list goes on. Okay, yeah. So is there a song, one particular song that has inspired you in your life? Like when, you know, maybe some of the times when you were like down and out and you needed something that uplifted you or just something that just motivated you to go, you know, get that extra pump at the gym or, you know. It, you know, is there one song that you you just have a feeling that had that gave you that feeling? Huh. I don't know. That that's a that's a good question. There. I mean, I guess it depends on what I'm going through in my life at the time. Yeah. Can you, you know. can you think of one particular moment and one song? You know what? Um, when we were uh, flying in on Helos going into Kuwait, uh, my one buddy. I'm going to say his name. I'll give him a shout out. Andy Nelson. Uh, he was playing um, Hell's Bells by ACDC. All right. And, and I, were, I was like, oh, hell yeah. You know, we, <laughs> we got some Hell's Bells going on, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as we were pulling into Kuwait. So it was like so Apocalypse yeah. Now. It's yeah, it was Francis cool, Ford man. Coppola, you know, stuff going on. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think he just had a blasting on his a CD player. Yeah, (laughs) but yeah, I always I think of that anytime I hear that CD that that song. Nice playing on a CD. (laughs) Awesome. Um, so do you have a you know like a favorite place that you ever visited? And it doesn't have to just be military time and service. Yeah, you know any. Well, I I will say uh, Portugal. I I love Lisbon, Portugal. Um, I remember when we had gotten off the off the ship we we're just finished up in iraq 
went back to Kuwait, and then we were heading back <clears throat> to the United States. We stopped off in Lisbon to just fuel up the, the ship. And I remember just craving McDonald's. You know what I mean? There's a couple of us. When in Lisbon, why not? Oh, my God. It was it was just like something about, man, I got to get some Mickey D's. So this guy, he's standing on the street, and he was, try, he was like, oh, you want hashish? You want hashish? He's trying to sell <laughs> sells drugs, you know? And I said, I said to him, I said, no, nah, I don't want any hashish. Uh, um, but could you tell us how to get to McDonald's? He said, oh, yeah. He gave us great directions. Oh, yeah, don't go down this alley because, oh, that's a bad alley to go down. Go down this street, take a left. Oh, I'm my God. You, you know, he's trying to sell you how she surprised you. such McDonald's, that stuff will kill you. Oh, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Probably kill you quicker. But, yeah, that, um, yeah, nicest drug dealer I think uh, I've ever met in my life. Yeah, very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was a nice, uh, nice area, though, uh, aside from, you know, nice uh nice dealers and contraband yeah other than that i mean yeah just a nice area man beautiful um yeah i was a big fan awesome um three people who've inspired you or you can credit for making you the person you are today um i would say you know probably both my grandfathers um they they I mean, yeah, of course, my mom and my dad and stuff like that. You know, everybody has a, a role in that. But I, I think, number one, my daughter, mm. you know. Yeah. I mean, his little kid, you know what I mean? She, 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 she taught me more about life than probably anybody. Yeah. You know? She's I mean, who would have thought course. that? Oh, yeah. of course, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, she taught me more about life than anybody. Oh, man, know, to, yeah. You know, some of the things that you thought were important before and you have kids, you're like, man, that was all bullshit stuff, you know? And maybe some things that you thought were like, oh, yeah, that's bullshit stuff. Then you find, no, man, that's not bullshit stuff, you know? That's yeah, good. it's funny, man. I, I got that, I, you know, kind of with the same thing with my two girls. It's just like, you know, the people we're supposed to be raising and training up are training us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Training us, you know, to be better people because we want a better life for them we got to be a better example for them, you know? <clears throat> well and, that, and that's that was part of that was part of it too for uh deciding to go back to the va you know just you know and get some therapy going and and stuff like that get that stuff rolling because man you know what i, I the shit that I've, i i've thought and all that about life and that due to you know traumatic experiences in that combat related that affects everything and that's one thing that i've learned is that if you've had a if you have if you're suffering with ptsd and you've had a failed whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship relationship or family relationship guess what it was your fault it probably was your fault there's about 99 percent chance it was because of how you handled the situation yep. Not to say that somebody couldn't have, couldn't have legitimately screwed you over. How, How you reacted react? to that, yep. that's what ended it. You know what I mean? That's what, you know, I mean, hell, I have family I don't I don't associate with. I, I mean, hell, my own father. I haven't talked to my dad in five years. And and, and it was because something that, that he initiated, but it was how I handled it that, 
you know, age. That's why I don't talk to them. And you know what? You know? I mean, you know, holidays are right around the corner. You're, you're, you've, you recognize that you've been doing, you know, what you've been doing. Maybe, you know, maybe this is the time to, uh, fix that, but I don't know. You know, I mean, I don't know the whole story, but you know, I mean, maybe, maybe that doesn't have to stay that way. That's what I'm saying. Well, and, and you never know. I mean, there, there are other, um, things in life that have happened and, you know, chances are if somebody's listening, go, man, I haven't talked to so-and-so or whatever. Yeah, they pissed me off. I felt they screwed me over. Yeah, maybe they didn't. Yeah. And, and maybe they did, but how did you react to it, you know? Yeah. There are certain people, yeah, you should throw out of your life. And then there are other people that you throw out of your life that maybe you didn't need to throw them out. So. I just know, you know, me um, losing my dad. I, because of the relationship that we had, I mean, there was a lot of resentments when I was growing up and because of the healing that took place and recognizing what he had experienced with PTSD and my own and, you know, things, a lot of things happened for a reason. And I got to spend a lot of quality time with him before he passed and I have no regrets. And, uh, and I can't imagine, you know, having like the, the unsaid things that you wish you would have, could have said so I, as your friend i'm just you know throwing that out well there and, and that's the thing if you, if you can walk away <clears throat> from a relationship a friendship whatever and say you know what i have absolutely no regrets with how that ended then then guess what you did the right thing if you say ah man i i probably could have done this or that then you know what you have unfinished business you gotta take care of that yeah you know yeah, so, at least keep your side of the street. Oh yeah, I have, I have a lot. I, I, exactly. Know? I, have, I have, I have, uh, you know, I have some, uh, some very clean streets yeah. when it comes like to some people. Of the people don't have to forgive you either. You no. know, don't put out an expectation if if they want to hold on to whatever and keep the rift and there's not and the healing's not going to happen. At least you can know that you did your part to try. Well, and that's the thing. Like, you know, even somebody had taught me a long time ago. <laughs> She, this, this woman had told me, you know, something about forgiving this guy. He's a real, real fucking scumbag. <laughs> you know, no other better way to say it. Yeah. No, she said she forgave him. I'm like, forget. How do you forgive somebody like that? She says, look, when you forgive somebody, you don't forgive. You're not forgiving for them. You're forgiving for yourself. So what? <laughs> I never understood that. Well, it came to a point where. I had to forgive that person that taught me that. So it, it was like kind of went full circle there. But I, and I told her, I said, you know what? I forgive you. <laughs> you know, and, and we talked and hey, everything was good. Everything was a clean slate at that point. You know, things didn't go back to how they were. But you know what? I think that I know I can walk away saying, you know what? Like you said, my side of the street is clean there. Yeah. You know, and, and that's fine. So there's no hard feelings, nothing like that. There, you know, that's the thing. You can, man, life's too life's too short to be hating and, you know, fighting with somebody and everything else. Man, who the hell has time for that? And they, they refer to that, you know, as like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's one of the things they say. And I mean, I've, no, I've had physical, you know, 
physical illnesses transpire because of stuff I was holding on to for somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know? Oh, and, and it's, it's not affecting like, imagine, that other person at yeah, all. They might not even be thinking about amazing, it. Amazing, you know, the healing you can experience when you're able to to do that, you know? Um so yeah, man. Um so another question for you. What would you want your legacy to be? You know, how would you want to be remembered? How would you want like, you know, you're gone. You're no longer here. Well, I think that the number one thing is I did my best. You know, there, there was a there was a lawyer I knew. This guy, 90-some years old, he was still a lawyer. He just died a couple of years ago. And I, I had actually used him for a civil case. I was suing somebody. And I said, well, how do you think we did, you know? He says, I did my best. He's like, you always tell somebody that. He told me, he says, J- just man to man here. I'm going to tell you, you always tell somebody you did your best. You, and you always do your best, but you always tell them that. You know, yeah. you don't say, oh, well, we're going to do this. We're going to slam dunk this. No, no, no. Or I was the best of that. I did my best. So that's what I'm trying to do. I mean, everything I do with with my business, with, with my family, my daughter, I just try to do my best. You know, yeah. it might not be the best, but it, it's my best. And, and, and the thing is, as we were talking about earlier, we're both still learning as we go, man. You know, we're learning. It's when we think we know it all. It's when there's, there's an issue, but if we're receptive to keep learning more. Oh, my, my grandfather, I remember my mom's dad, he, he used to say all the time, he would ask like, at the end of the night, you know, he said, what did you learn today? And, and if you said, well, I didn't learn anything. He said, you're not ready to go to bed then. Yeah. You, you are, you're not ready for bed. You are not going to bed because you didn't learn anything. You should learn something every day. Exactly. Every single today's, day. Today's lesson. Yeah. You know. Um, all right. Well, here's some of the good ones that a lot of the people that I have on here definitely enjoy. Favorite toy as a child and why? Huh. Trying to think, I used to I used to love GI Joes. Yeah, I used to love them, and, then, and so you became one. Oh yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, I remember they used to. I don't know if they still do, but they used to have that little rubber band in them. You could cut the rubber band off. Oh yeah, just, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wonder, I wonder how how much those those toys be worth. How many we spread around in the backyard? Oh man, that <laughs> how many Star- thousands of dollars? That and my Star Wars figures that I bury <laughs> in the sandbox and stuff like that. Jeez, man. Yeah, your your beach house is laying in the <coughs> in the sandbox right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah. So then he ended up growing up and becoming a GI Joe. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Now, I know not everybody's a fan, but man, you know, there's got it's just it's becoming a regular thing. Favorite wrestler. Hmm. You know, I I think I I, I always liked the Macho Man. I always liked Macho Man Randy Savage. But my favorite though, the, the one I was just like, what an asshole. A lot of times, <laughs> but I loved him. What was Hot Rod himself, oh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah. He was such a jerk, but I loved him. You know, he's such a dirty wrestler. You know, pokey in the eyes, punching the balls. You know, that was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I, I just always loved that shit guy. By oh yeah, too. Talk the biggest shit, shit talker. He's it, a man. better shit talker probably than wrestler. Oh yeah, <laughs> freaking smashing coconuts and shit. And, you know, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, hot rod man. <laughs> 
And then if uh, so, speaking of that, if you if, if you could pick, <laughs> I just added this one because I th- you know I mean because a lot of people I deal with are musicians anyway, so mm. you know we've already you, you had Hell's Bells. It might be the same same answer for this. If yeah. you could pick your own entrance music, what would it be? Ooh. Like every time you're about to enter the room, like a, you know, like a professional wrestler coming to the ring, you know, walking into city hall at Brook park, you know, or whatever, man, what music would lead you in? Well, I, I mean, it, 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 it broke park a couple of years ago with all the fighting going on. You might want to have eye of the tiger, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, but, uh, I don't know. I, that's another good one, man. I I never thought of that. <laughs> I do because I'm freaking yeah, what, what, weirdo. What, what, did, what did your uh, en- entrance music, dude? I was just listening to the other day because I'm a big metal metal fan, and uh, I, I was just listening to uh, Sepultura's uh, "Refuse Resist." Oh, and uh, it's just like the, how it builds up at the beginning. I could just you know see my you know coming to the and then just the the you know like the 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 lyrics and the refuse resist you know like you know like not giving up not giving in so that was kind of that kind of became mine and then back when I used to actually work uh uh prom- help promote local indie shows I was a character at uh-huh. one time and I had this uh a buddy of mine got me into this band uh Clawfinger they're from uh overseas I forget what part you know but anyway there's this one song uh, biggest the best you know, and it had a nice build up and the lyrics and stuff were just so that was my music coming out to the ring because I was an asshole. And it, and the song, you know, basically said, yeah, I'm an asshole. You know? <laughs> Maybe that would be a good yeah, one. Too, Dennis Leary, Dennis Leary. Leary song. Yeah, yeah, yeah there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to think about that one, though. But, yeah, that's good. <laughs> and then, you know, we'd already we've already said a lot. And uh, but, you know, I ask it anyway. You know, especially to, you know, my guests that aren't veterans because our guys overseas really like to hear something. But any message you want to send to anybody that's currently serving overseas right now? Yeah, when when you get back, I'm telling you, you got you got to get educated on know your rights, know what you're worth to the VA, and acknowledge that, hey, look, you serve, man. If you're if you're injured and or you have some type of a disability or something going on with you, let them take care of you. What the hell? You took care of the country. You know what I mean? You served honorably. You did everything the right way. You did what was expected of you. Just follow up with it, you know. And and then when you get out, also that's another thing. You know, you're you took an oath of enlistment. You didn't take an oath to get out. They didn't say, okay, well, here, we're going to unswear you in now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope, you're still sworn in. Yep, that's kind of, that's like NWO for life, baby. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So that's what I mean. It's, you you got, keep, keep, keep going with it. You know, always make yourself better. Think if you did, if you did something, you know, to embarrass your chain of command. You know what I mean? Um, they're going to come down hard on you, you know, the captain's mass or whatever. When you get out, it's kind of think the same way. Like, if I do something really stupid, how's it going to make my other veterans look? Yeah. You know what I mean? 
You know, I know, yeah, if a Marine, oh my God, if somebody in your unit got, got, a, got an OVI or, you know, decided to do something stupid, get into a bar fight or something, that looked bad for everybody. Yeah. You know, so you got to think the same way as a veteran. Hey, if I do something fucking stupid as a veteran, how's it going to make my other veterans look? Because I, I know I'm not going to be happy, but I, I know I get pissed when I hear about veterans doing stupid things. They make national news for something. Oh yeah, everything Man, you're making me look towards bad. One person can. Oh yeah, know, bring down. You know. So yeah, so. no being a shit bag when you get out either. Yeah, keep that <laughs> exactly. Keep improving. Keep excelling. Um, so you'd mentioned uh, a little bit too about your business, and uh, usually I like to give you know the bands opportunities to promote their stuff. Would you like to you know promote? Uh, your business? Sure. I, I, I'm a private investigator, and I think a lot of that has to do with having post-traumatic stress and dealing with that. It's kind of nice when I'm doing surveillance that I'm away from people, I'm being watchful anyway. So it kind of seems, see, I'm, I'm using my weakness as my power, yeah, I guess. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I uh, have North Star Investigations at Security. I have an office on State Road in Parma, 5907 State Road, right behind the, the gun shop. And uh, Hillary, yeah, you, Hillary, did you get all that? Yeah, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, if you ever need anything, uh, you know, I'm, you can also find me at North www.northstarcleveland.com. Yeah, if you need anything, call me, and we can make an appointment to set up a time to talk. Awesome. All right, so one last thing. Before we get off here, I usually have people do a promo ID for the show. Um, I think with the veterans, I, I kind of would like to do like, a, you know, remember if we got a chance to, you know, get airplay on the radio station back home. And this is so-and-so and blah, 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 you know, and, and whatever. But just maybe, you know, just give your, your your name and rank like you're introducing yourself like you're still active or whatever. And then, uh, you know, so get out of here. <clears throat> This is Corporal Papes, and you're listening to today's Boondoggle on Domain Cleveland Radio. Awesome. How's that? That was good. That? that was good, man. <laughs> Might have another calling now. Yeah. All right, buddy. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. I'll see you, man.
for tuning into this week's edition of today's Boondoggle. Domain Cleveland Entertainment is a veteran-owned and operated entertainment cornucopia of nonsensical shenanigans. You can find interesting interviews, music news, entertainment information and just about everything else in between. Thank you again for tuning into the show here at Domain Cleveland.